Chris Letang and Mike Matheson come back into the Penguins lineup, and immediately there are big, ugly, glaring mistakes that cost the Penguins the game. Is that a coincidence? Yeah. Morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. I do one of these every Monday through Friday, bright and early in the morning. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. The Penguins have anything but checked out on this season. I thought that their performance the other night on Long Island, up front in particular, the forwards, was among their best of the year. Maybe their best of the year. Wasn't the best result, obviously, falling short as they did 4-3. to three. But it was one of the best and most consistent 60-minute examples of the forwards doing pretty much everything they need to do. And this against a really passive sit-back-and-wait-for-you-to-make-a-mistake New York team that's been drilled to the bone by Barry Trotz to not give up anything. I thought the Penguins took a lot of what was there and then went further than that, and they deserved, I also thought, on a broader scale, a better fate than what they got that night. But they didn't get it. They didn't get it. And the reason that they didn't get it is that the couple of guys who came back who are prone to giving up big, nasty, ugly chances did that. Mike Matheson made what I thought was a really soft slash lost misplay in his own end, and the Islanders cashed in as if he wasn't there. He just flat out didn't take a man. And Jordan Eberle ends up pouncing for it. If it had happened once, whatever. It happens to everybody. But when you see it happening to the same guy again and again, and then he comes right back into the lineup and has that same effect on you, you know, you pay attention to it a little bit more. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by Warrior Alpaca Socks. What makes their socks different is the alpaca fiber used in their construction. It's stronger, softer, far less irritating to the skin, more breathable, hypoallergenic, warmer than wool. This is the time of year for Warrior Alpaca Socks. When you go to their website, warrioralpacasocks.com, use the code DK to get 15% off your first order. One more time, warrioralpacasocks.com, use the code DK just for our podcast listeners. Later in the game, of course, Chris Letang inexplicably followed Pierre-Olivier Joseph behind the net. So both of them are behind the net, and the Islanders were handed just the easiest Easiest conceivable tying goal. Joseph has been in the NHL for like a week and a half. You know? And 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 he's playing with more composure and more smarts than Latang did in that game. There, there's nothing easier at this point, even the goal that the Islanders scored there, than having a dialogue about how frustrating Latang is. Because when he's on his game, he does things that other people can't do. He adds in ways that maybe a lot of people don't even recognize. But he also does this. 
he does this. He's going to stay in the lineup. I mean, there's just there, there's no way around that. Okay, I'm not going to be, you know, an idiot and suggest that Mike Sullivan benches Latang or cuts his ice time or whatever else because he does do these other things. But what you can't have in your lineup are two of those. You can't have two guys or three guys or whatever it is making big mistakes. You can't live in a dream world where you look at Mike Matheson and say, well, I mean, he can fly. He has all these abilities, and which he does. He, he's, he's amazing on his skates. And you saw some of that in the game, too. And he has the ability to produce points. And he can be one of your prototypical uh, mobile-slash-productive NHL defensemen in 2021. But maybe not right away? Because this work that the Penguins and Todd Reardon are doing with Matheson, maybe it will work. He's a really bright guy. This isn't like some flaky dude or someone who's lazy and doesn't want to play defense or anything like that. He just hasn't necessarily gotten all the guidance. I'm not here to rip him or bury him or suggest terrible trade or whatever. I mean, obviously at the moment it looks awful. Patrick Hornquist's on fire in Sunrise, but that's not why you make trades. You make them ideally so that you make your organization better, particularly in the longer term. And Matheson is going to be around here for a long time with the contract that he's got. So what do you do now? This is a 56-game season. The Penguins deserved a W the other night. And they didn't get it principally because of these couple of massive defensive mistakes. What do you do? You can't act like this is a normal season. You can't act like, well, it's, I don't know, let's say that, you know, we were feeling like the season started in October and, well, it's just turning the calendar to get to November. It's not. It's not. Penguins have played 11 games. There's a total of 56. Do the math. They've played pretty much 20% of the schedule already. And it only gets tougher from here because they're getting these big breaks now because of the Devils getting COVID. But I don't know if you've had a chance to peek ahead to what they're going to be subjected to in March as a result. 16 games in March. It's just going to be brutal. And that's to say nothing of the division, which I still think is going to get even better than it is now because teams like the Islanders aren't going to be hanging around the bottom for very long. You're not going to be able to carry a Mike Matheson or to force his contract onto the ice. Remember, the general manager who made that trade, is gone. He quit. He left. This isn't a case where you have to try to justify the contract or the trade. If you're the Penguins, if you're Mike Sullivan, heck, if you're Patrick Alvin, who has to know, has to be a thousand percent sure he's not getting this job, he's got it on an interim basis, you still have a duty 
to the Pittsburgh Penguins to make the right moves to get them into the playoffs. And whether it's Sullivan, whether it's uh, Reardon, whether it's Mike Vellucci, whether it's someone over their heads, whether it's Alvin who comes in and says, hey, by the way, you don't have to play this guy. I mean, I, I get it. You're missing Pedersen right now, and you're missing Dumoulin. And in Dumoulin's case, it sounds like he's going to be out for a while. You still can't be taking on a project right now if this continues. This isn't the time for Matheson to be learning on the job. This isn't a normal season. These aren't normal circumstances. And even if he does dress, he doesn't have to be out there 20 minutes a game. I'm telling you, I, I just, I had a bad feeling after that third period because I had shared with you previously that at least with these fringe defensemen that they were using, the Yannick Webers and so forth, you knew what you were going to get. You knew that they were just going to stay put, take care of their own end, and you know try to survive. Now, to the credit of Pierre-Olivier Joseph, he did way more than that. And he's a child. He's still, you know, he's still got a ton of potential in front of him. He succeeded. No, he excelled at both ends. But for the rest of these guys that they were bringing in, the Kevin Churchman and so forth, you were at least going to get sound defense and give your team a chance to kind of find its equilibrium, get the forwards attacking, as they did. But it, you know, it still ended up in an L. And you're only going to be able to be patient with this for so long. When we come back, just one question. back time for just one question if you'd like to leave one you can do that by visiting dk pittsburgh sports find the article that contains this podcast and leave it right there in comments this segment of daily shot is brought to you always by the good people at the greater pittsburgh community food bank they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need in western pennsylvania they're here for you when you need them go to pittsburghfoodbank.org slash get help to find food near you Today's Just One Question comes from Penn7158, who asks, DK, when struggling, Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith look awfully similar to Matt Murray, so far back in the net, tentative, off their angles. They all have different styles, so they shouldn't look the same when they're struggling. How much of this can be traced back to Mike Buckley? If I'm not mistaken, wasn't Buckley Murray's guy and came up with him? Is it time to get a fresh set of eyes? for Jari slash DeSmith. First off, thanks for the question. Yeah, it, It's good stuff. I, I'm always a little leery to go coach first on these things, uh, especially when it's a, a unique position like goaltending is. Um, they don't ask Mike Buckley to do anything else. I mean, he does – I see him occasionally, you know, participate in helping out with some drills and getting some pucks and so forth. But 
ultimately he's got one job, and it's not getting done. The Penguins have the second worst goaltending in the league. Coincidentally or not, the worst goaltending in the league belongs to, yep, Matt Murray and the Senators. So my first inclination is to look at the players. Aggressiveness, which is what you're talking about mostly here, is a mindset. Doesn't sound like you and I will agree on this, but I don't see Jari and DeSmith as having similar issues. DeSmith's just not a very big guy. Um, he's going to look smaller. He's going to look like he's not as aggressive because even when he is aggressive, it's not going to necessarily appear that way. Uh, he has to get big. He has no choice but to get big to make routine saves. For the most part, I, I think he's done that. He hasn't been great either. Jari, though, that's different. Jari's in a, in a different category here for me. I'm not sure I understand it. I'm, I'm not sure I get how he goes from being as not just aggressive, but athletic the way he was last season. He was going right after shooters. He said, there's just no way you're going to beat me. He was attacking them, and he was aggressive too with the stick which has also almost disappeared from his game. I mean, I'm not talking about collecting the puck behind the net and so forth. He does that like it's breathing. He's really, really good at it. I'm talking about cutting off east-west passes. I'm talking about poke checking. I'll say this again. It feels like he's waiting for a shot to happen. He's waiting for someone else to dictate the scenario. Now, to be fair... The other night on Long Island, he had a tremendous second period. The Islanders had all kinds of high-danger chances that he turned away, and he turned away looking like a little bit of an attitude. Good. Third period comes along. As mentioned, there were a couple of pretty bad breakdowns. When those happen, the breakdowns are 100% of the time, the fault of the defenseman. Meaning when they're down low and whatever. I mean, I understand forwards are also responsible for assignments and everything. You know what I'm saying. I'm talking about the difference between goaltending and skaters. And I'm not about to change that now. At the same time, make a save. Make a save. Make a big save. Make a timely save. What did I say here late last week about the goaltending, that I wanted to see goaltending that for once, this season, for the first time this season, stole two points? You can say that's unfair, but the fact of the matter is, over the course of any regular season, whether it's 56 games or the full 82, a good team is going to have its goaltender steal probably about 10 of their wins. Something in that range where you're going to have everybody after the game going, wow, we played terribly, but, you know, Joe the goalie, he really had our backs. He carried our, he got lifted up. What's the term I'm looking for here? Saved our bacon. That's it. I was about to mangle the metaphors really badly here. Lifted up our bacon. <laughs> but no one's lifted up the Penguins' bacon this year. You know, and they could have used some bacon lifting. You know, from either guy, Casey DeSmith stopped a three-on-none, and 
he played awfully, I thought, in the rest of the game. But we were all like, yeah, Casey saved it. He made that big save and won the game. That was the one where he also had the accidental assist on the three-on-five goal by Teddy Bluger against Washington. But that's what you're looking for here. You know, the goaltender's on your team, too. They're supposed to be helping you win, not just being back there in case you really, really, really mess up and it's not their fault. Of course it's their fault. They have one job. It's to stop pucks. Jari said that himself last week. Somebody asked him, what do you need to do better? He said, I need to stop pucks. I think he needs to get mad. I, I liked a lot of what I saw in the Islanders game, but again, I'm, I'm like like the first subject here, I'm starting to get weary of the idea that, well, we looked at a certain facet here, and the Penguins sure did look good in that area, and they look good at this, and they look good at that. It's time to start putting it together. And that includes very much the goaltenders. It's time to fire Mike Buckley. I don't know. I, I, I didn't mean to avoid your question here. I just remembered what you actually asked. Is it time to fire Mike Buckley? Uh, Buckley also worked with Jari in the minors. He So he, he had ex- the Murray's guy thing. Yes, that applied. That's why the goaltending change was made as soon as Marc-Andre Fleury was gone from and sending Mike Bales out. Uh, but if you think that anybody could walk in here, Bales or anyone else, and just snap their finger uh, – and, and fix this, it's it's not the case. And certainly not in any kind of mid-season situation. Just, just, just play better. Everybody just needs to play better. We'll do this again tomorrow. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.